Welcome to this week's edition of the Casuals on the Challenge Podcast Network. I am your host, the Chief Kunal Kohli, joined by a real-life wizard, Isis Makluf, and the real-life Hagrid, the Hebrew Hammer, Alan Ross. All right, can you stop violating me every time I get on this podcast? Hagrid's a great character. What do you mean? One day I'm going to just ghost you. <laughs> It'll be like, Alan, it's time for the podcast. (laughs) He just doesn't show up. You see me in my little bubble just listening to Marvin's room. Yo, Hagrid is literally the Khloe Kardashian of the Kardashians. What do you You mean? mean You mean of Harry Potter. Khloe Kardashian is the Khloe Kardashian. But you know what I mean. Like, she's (laughs) at least before she got the eight surgeries, she was like the Shrek of the family. I mean... Who do you want hey, to man, compare it's... you to? Like, do you want to be Ron Weasley? I don't want that for you. Like, yo, his brother Fox. He, he has like eight Which brothers. One? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Per... Like, you're not a Percy. Like, yeah, you're per... no, he's Percy. <laughs> no, yo, he's Percy, Percy Jackson. <laughs> no, no, Percy no. Weasley. Uh, the snake. My guy said Percy Jackson. I almost got excited because that's you much better than Harry Potter. You know what? Fine. I'm going to redo this intro. Welcome to the challenge, folks. I'm with the real life Harry Potter, Isis, and a young half, what is he? A half demigod? Half blood. A yeah, half demigod. Blood. He's a demigod, uh, the son of Poseidon himself, the Hebrew hammer, Alan Ross. I did kill Voldemort, so... I swear to fucking God. Yo, can we acknowledge that Percy Jackson never got any love, even though the books were way better than Harry Potter? What do you... It's literally Harry Potter 2.0. <laughs> yeah, like... It's literally, it's literally based on Greek mythology and shit. It's I feel like that's way more interesting than magic. You know, It's you literally know, uh, Harry Potter 2.0. No I way. Do, there should have been way more Percy Jackson kids like in elementary and middle school than they truly were i it's feel like, like the android of uh of move of uh books fantasy books like there's a special clique out there that loves percy jackson and then everybody outside of that doesn't acknowledge it at all for whatever reason it's true i mean if if people liked it so much they would have made more movies that is i mean true. harry potter they harry potter they made what eight yeah well, the, I mean, the movies just sucked. Like the the first one, I thought was pretty decent, um, but the second one was just pretty horrific. There was a second one. Yeah, it was oh, bad. I, I thought you were calling out the Harry Potter movies. So I was like, whoa. Honestly, no. Chamber Deathly... Secrets kind of mid. I'm gonna be real. Well, Deathly Hallows Hallows Part One was trash. Yeah, that was boring as hell. <laughs> but shout out Prisoner of Azkaban though. That is my shit day in and day out. Dude, you know my ex-girlfriend is? was obsessed with Harry Potter, and it was the most cringe thing ever. God, did she own, like... All right, so I'm not calling out anyone who owns wands and that type of shit, because you know what? To each their own. I'm a nerd, too. I can't really complain. I collect nerdy shit. But was she the type to, like, dress up and shit? I mean... I'm sure she did at one point, but she like would reread the books. Okay, okay. Like, like it's I don't like, think that's horrible. No, it is. It's like rewatching The Office eight times. It's like why do you need to reread the book four times in one year? Do you remember those elementary school reading lists? Yeah. So I was dumb competitive in elementary. I mean, I'm still dumb competitive. But elementary. I was- super competitive in elementary school motherfucker i hate saying like like that but 
So I would reread all the Harry Potters just so I could get my stats up. <laughs> and then I'll just read whatever the fuck else I would want. But like I I got so well versed in Harry Potter because that's all I would do from like third to like sixth or seventh grade is just reread them, get my stats up, and get that pizza party at the end of the year. Really? What's your favorite I- book? Uh, probably Goblet of Fire. Really? I know it's weird, but I think having a big bad like Voldemort was huge. Like, having him physically present. Um, the whole Peter Pettigrew at the beginning was kind of freaky. I like that element. I really like horror, so I feel like there's a lot of horror, like, not really horror per se, but there's like some tie-ins. Um, and I think it was honestly one of the better written books. Uh, I do love Deathly Hallows as a book. I do love Prisoner of Azkaban, the book. Um, and I mean, who who doesn't like Sorcerer's Stone? Like that just it just warms your heart. But um, Goblet of Fire, I think, was the first time we really saw Harry in like a ton of peril. Like, you know, I think the first one going up against Quirrell, he had that out of oh yeah, Voldemort can't touch me. The second one, I don't know why they kept Hogwarts open. They should have just closed Hogwarts. Like, come on. A fucking basilisk was running through your pipes. Well, they're trying to get that state money. You got to stay open for a certain amount of days. (laughs) (laughs) Like, stupid calling the board right there. Um, (laughs) If if, if you're in mortal danger, you know, like you're in a pandemic or something, close down. Keep your students safe, please. These are human lives. The third one, I don't think he was ever in any, like, real danger up until Lupin turned into a werewolf. But, like, even then, I think Sirius Black could have taken Lupin. Um, Oh, and, I mean, the Dementors were there, but, like, he had the whole time turner. That was, like, the deus ex machina. Um, He didn't have the time turner. Like, it's so he almost died. Yeah, Hermione. Yeah, but, like, Hermione was like, yo, let's use the time turner. Turnover. uh, Time turner. Like, it was just a deus ex machina, you know? Um, But the fourth book, like, that was the first time, like, we saw, like, oh, Voldemort just fucking killed Cedric Diggory for absolutely no reason that other than, <laughs> fuck you. Um, we had a fucking dragon come into the thing that wasn't Norbert, because Norbert was kind of cute. Um, Barry, are you talking the horse dragon? Or the flying horse thing? No, that's a threshold. No. Or you're either thinking of the threshold or the hippogriff. See, I'm not going to lie. Yo, Harry Potter people are some of the most annoying people on this planet. <laughs> who's who's more annoying? Harry Potter people or Disney freaks? Oh, fucking Disney freaks. Day in and day out. You guys are stupid. Harry I'm Potter sorry. people are Disney people. <laughs> no, they're not, bro. They are the same person. No. There's a line. <laughs> Disney people, first of all, Disney, first of all. Harry Potter people, firmly Universal Studios, right? Like, we can all agree on that. Dude. But I'm Disney talking about are... those freaks that, like, moved to Florida yeah, to live weird. at, to, like, to work at yeah. Disney. Like, somebody who will not be named <laughs> moved down to Florida with his girlfriend so she could literally live closer to Disney. There's like, that's freak shit. There's neighborhoods dedicated to Disney in, like, Orlando and shit, and it's kind of, it's a cult, man. It's a whole ass cult. At least like Harry Potter, it's not as culty. Like how many like how many times can you literally go to the same park 
and ride the same rides. Like, I mean, that's the only reason I go to like I would like I haven't been to Disney World since I was like a kid. But the only reason I would go is to ride the rides. Like, how many times can you sit there and be like, "Oh, here's Mickey"? Oh, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's just weird. I have no problem with Disney, but when you like intern at Disney and then it literally becomes a personality trait, even though you haven't interned there in like ten years, like you need to get a hobby or something. I have a buddy who's like a good decade and a half out of college and he still talks about his Disney experiences. I'm just like, I love you. Like you're a fantastic human, but stop, stop. You need to chill. (laughs) So the same girl that goes to Disney all the time, she literally had a baby, right? And like the baby was two weeks old and she brought that baby to Disney during a pandemic. Like, tell me that's not some freaky shit. That it? Why would you? Do... In a, pa- I, I. Wait, in the same place where like kids will lick the windows and shit. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a baby, baby, but like the baby was like two weeks old. Yeah, oh and in God. the like, middle oh, of the babies. pandemic, Florida, yeah. you are killing me, physically. And the reason Disney is only open during the pandemic is for those freaks. Because who the fuck is traveling there? You know what I'm saying? Like, come on. Yeah, so people can do their TikToks and shit. God, yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. All right, let's get to the podcast. (laughs) But let's kick it off, though, and talk about a fake football team. Or at least what somebody on Twitter called a fake football team. My Philadelphia Eagles, in case you missed it. Uh, the fourth quarter against the Washington football team, they pulled freshman stud, rookie stud, Jalen Hurts, who had just thrown one interception on the game, and instead put in Nate Sudfield, who hasn't done jack shit in his career and <laughs> continued to not do jack shit, costing the Eagles the game. Folks, first of all, do you think Doug Peterson purposely tanked to screw over the Giants? The implication being, if Washington lost, the Giants go to the playoffs. I mean, yeah, it's pretty. It was pretty clear. It's probably one of the more clear tank jobs that we've seen in recent memory. But I don't understand why everyone all of a sudden has a problem with tanking. Like, is it just because Giants fans are annoying? Are they sad boys? Do they want a participation trophy? I don't personally get it. I mean, like, wasn't everyone, including everyone that's mad about what just happened, weren't they really pissed, or weren't they all roasting Adam Gase for winning two weeks ago? I was going to say, the Jets have been tanking all season. You don't hear anyone complaining about that. Oh, no, no, no. People were complaining about the Jets tanking. Don't lie. All out cover zero was uh, yeah. People were yeah. complaining about that. I mean, that was blatant. That was obviously blatant, and this was obviously blatant. But come on, I mean, you have a team doing a tank job. It happens. I mean, if if you're the if you're the Giants and you're going to be a little like bitch boys about it, about crying because um, the Eagles didn't win the game to better their team in the future, right? Like it, they went from the ninth pick in the draft to the sixth pick in the draft. Like yeah. it is only three spots, but like that's a huge jump, though. It is a huge jump. Like people are acting like it's nothing. It's just like, well, they get the sixth best player in the draft, or who they think is the sixth best player in the draft, and like 
they're only helping themselves. If the Giants really cared, maybe they should have won more games in September, in October, November, and December. Yeah, that's just like you can't sit here and cry like a little bitch and go on Twitter and be like, "Oh my goodness, I can't believe they didn't win the game for us." It's like, shut the fuck up, Giants. Like, who the fuck are you? Like, literally. Like, why did the why did the Eagles owe you anything? You know, like, why would you put your faith in the Eagles? Yeah, it's, and, and like, it's the most know, entitled thing. Why do you think you're entitled to the playoffs at six and ten? You suck. You suck. That's why you didn't make the playoffs and you had to believe in Doug Peterson. You had to be an Eagles fan. That's disgraceful if you're a Giants fan. As an Eagles fan, I would never root for my rival just to get us into the playoffs. The funniest thing was they were all like, yo, it's a disgrace that the Eagles threw this game. It ruins the integrity of the game. It's like you have a, a team with 10 wins missing the playoffs and you think that you're entitled to make it with six wins. Who are you kidding? That you're a disgrace to the NFL, dude. And they literally only had to win one game. It's like literally one game. And you're sitting there and you're like, you're bitching about it. It's just like, shut the fuck up. Like nobody, nobody wants to see a six and 10 team. Nobody wants to see the yeah. Reds get the playoffs. It's just like, none of that, none of those teams deserve to be in the playoffs and you're going to lose to the, to the, to Tampa Bay. Like, I don't care what anybody says, but like, like, just shut the fuck up. Like, nobody wants to listen to you bitch and complain about a six-win team not making the playoffs. It's just like, Dan Orlovsky needs to shut the fuck up because he put out a whole thing in his um, notes he put on Twitter. It's just like, who, like, you went 0-16, Dan Orlovsky. Like, shut the fuck up. Like, your the team is tanking. The of the tank complaining about a tank job. Get the yeah. fuck out of here. To yeah. be fair, he also um, – he also played for another tanking team, the Colts, and he was the one that won them two games. Yay, he won two games his entire career. So proud so of maybe he thinks, So maybe that's like that's his opening to have this take. <laughs> maybe he feels that way. Yay, I won two games. That's four less than the Giants. And like everyone's <laughs> acting like the Eagles had no reason to do it other than the draft pick. But like it was still a meaningless game. Like the game literally did not matter to them at all. They didn't care who made the playoffs. It didn't matter at all. So why would you risk Jalen Hurts getting hurt and potentially being hurt into next year? It's not even like Jalen Hurts played all that well. He had like 76 passing yards. He did have like two set. touchdowns though. But still, like who like who cares? Like he clearly yeah. wasn't at like he clearly wasn't his day. Just sit him. Just be like they probably would have stayed in though. But again, like, why win a meaningless game and yeah. fuck your team for the future when you can literally set somebody lose the game and let somebody else go into the into the playoffs because you don't have a chance at the playoffs? It's just like, if you if your whole season comes down to another team winning a game, then you probably don't deserve to be in the playoffs. Like that's just that's just the whole thing. It's just like, I just the Twitter thing really pissed me off because it's just like you're a trash ass team, so you're gonna get treated like a trash ass team. You know, like you're six and ten. Why on God's green earth is Jalen Hurts not in this game? What the hell? Why do they hate us so much? What did we ever do to them? My favorite part was former Eagle himself, Golden Tate, decided to bitch on Twitter. First of all, first of all, you played for the Eagles. You already know when it comes to the Giants and the Cowboys, it's on site. No one in the NFC East really cares about the Washington football team. They've kind of sucked for a while. So good on them for making the playoffs. But when it comes to the fucking Giants, do you think, do you even think that the Eagles would try to benefit them in any way, shape, or form? No, it's the fucking Giants. 
fuck the Giants. Honestly, that makes me like the Eagles now. It's a rivalry. We got to keep the rivalry alive because we're, we ain't no bitch boys, you know? The Giants can root for us because they're all bitches. But when it comes to the rivalry, we respect the rivalry. We play the rivalry. We don't care about the football team. Good on them. They've overcome a decade of sucking, and they have Alex Smith, who should be comeback player of the year. Good on them. But when it comes to the fucking Giants, fuck them. I'm fine with that. Doug Peterson did a beautiful job. Give him an extent. Extend his contract just for saying fuck you to the Giants. Extend that. That's the Philadelphia way. See, I wish it happened to the Cowboys, though. Same. That would have been much funnier. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> You know what? The Eagles did fuck over Dallas a few years ago, taking Dallas Goddard in the draft. I think, you know, we fucked over Dallas before. It's fine. I don't know if they would have bitched, though, because I feel like they would have seen it coming. Oh, no, they bitched on Twitter. Dallas fans were fucking mad when we took when we took Goddard. They were pissed. No, 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 no. When I like if the Cowboys beat the Giants like they probably should have. Yeah. And then like the Eagles did pulled what, what they just did. I feel like Cowboys fans and Cowboys players would have seen this coming. Uh, I don't know, man. I feel like they'd still bitch because, again, they're bitchy fans. How could you <laughs> not see it coming, though? Like, it was literally, like, the yeah. whole game. Yeah. They just, like, they were literally benching people who were just, like, banged up. And then they, like, they weren't even, like, the play calling wasn't even intended to win the game. Like, literally, the Redskins were handing the Eagles the the game they're like you can win it if you want to like the like the Redskins shouldn't have been in that game like they turned it over so many times like it it should not even have been a game with the way the Eagles were playing there was literally the Redskins sucked there was one point the football team uh they had some Uh, I forgot if it was like McLaurin or whoever was just wide open in the end zone secondary nowhere near him and Alex Smith tosses it somewhere else incomplete pass looks the guy in the eye and just goes, fuck, I had him wide open. He pulled a Carson once. He pulled a Carson once. And I'm just sitting there like, come on. All you got to do, we're literally leaving people wide open just so we can have a chance at Devontae Smith or uh, Jamar Chase, you know? But no, you're still losing, like nearly losing this game. This is an easy dub if you're the football team. Give us yeah. what we want. We just want new wide receivers. I thought it was great. I thought it was an all-time great troll job by the Eagles. I don't think P- um, Peterson should get the blame for it because it ob- no. obviously wasn't even his call. Well, I mean, pulling out Jalen Hurts is probably his call. Yeah, but I mean, like, who do you think told him, like, make sure we don't win well, this game? Well, they must have told him, to be like, hey, listen, your job, sh- your job is safe. You're not getting fired. Or he probably would have tried to win that game, you know. But I mean, like my yeah. thought is like, are the Eagles in the league just so that the Giants get it can get into the playoffs? Not like you're your own organization. You can do whatever the fuck you want to. If you want to throw sixteen games, you can do it. If you want to win sixteen games, you can do it. It's just like I just I can't <laughs> like the integrity of the game is not a team losing and you getting into the playoffs. Like the integrity of the game is like the best team gets in, and that's what happened. And I don't know why everyone's mad that it was a late night game because I thought that was the perfect cap off to the end of the season, personally. Best way to end out the NFC East, just the Eagles with a giant middle finger through the Giants. Yeah. 
And oh, and can I'm we reflect sure on the Giants game, the Giants Cowboys game? How uh, who's their running back? They're Gallman. Gallman, yeah. So the game's like they're like, okay, Gallman, you got this first down. The game's over. He gets the first down and fumbles it, and then like falls on on it. He like sits on it, and then like they somehow said that it was Giants ball. And like when you look at the review in live action, at least there was no recovery, you know, like, and the Cowboys were the ones that came up with it at the very end. So they should have had the ball, but then you look at it and then the the giants, you can tell that Gallman might've had it at the end of the pile, but that's, you can't tell that that's not going to be inclusive. It's just a, like a replay where you can kind of get a, get a hint for it. So if they called it Cowboys ball, they would have, the Cowboys would have had it. So and you like, know what happened? Ball don't lie. Ball ultimately don't lie. I'm just lie. saying, like, the Giants are so mad, but they literally should not have even beaten – or they should not have even beat the Cowboys without their starting quarterback. So I don't know don't what lie, their man. problem is. Ball don't lie. It never does. And the Giants got, got a firsthand experience learning that. Yeah. I mean, now I guess they can grow the fuck up. It take the off season to get better. Yeah, win seven, win seven games next year, and you'll probably get in. I saw this Giants fan on Facebook. He fucking said that they're gonna win ten games next year. With with uh, Daniel Jones at QB. Yeah, like that guy, like David Gettleman, still on the team or still, uh, you know, helping out. I think he gets a bad rap, but Daniel Jones is clearly not the guy. No. Hell, I don't even think Saquon's really the guy anymore. I don't know how this injury really affects him. I I think he's going to be fine. I just don't know if his style is good for that team. They need a consistent running back. A guy that's going to churn out consistent yardage every time he gets the ball. You can't just not even going to be there, like, in the beginning of the year anyways. When did he – Was it his ACL or his meniscus? ACL. He'll to, he might miss a, to, he might miss training camp. You, you're trying to do like the math in your head. It's a 12 month recovery. Well, it's shorter than 12 months. It's just like to be fully capable of, of being your old self. It's more than I think it's more than 12 months. I mean, at this they, point, like they, yeah, they say it's anywhere. closer to two years. I mean, they think they're going somewhere, and they kind of, they kind of have to. They do, but again, like you don't have the pieces to go anywhere. Like this is like their year. Like they need to make the playoffs, or they have to make some really big decisions. Well, let's hope next year that they don't have to rely on the Eagles winning. Because again, it's fuck you. Like, I'm sorry. And honestly, I, I, I expect that division to get much better. Th- it should. I mean, the Eagles are really what like. Two offense, really, they're just a few offensive pieces away. Jalen's more than a capable starter. Um, I think if the football team can get a quarterback who can play just a little better than Alex Smith, it's a little more reliable. Well, and they're going to start leaning more on Antonio Gibson and actually give him a starter's workload. And I think once they do that, that team is going to be very good. Um, the Cowboys, they're going to have a starting quarterback. I was going to say, yeah, once, they're, 
once they're healed from injury, man. Like that that's really what's holding the Cowboys back. And that defense has been playing pretty good lately. Yeah. I mean, they just ran they just they randomly got into playoff contention out of nowhere and no one was expecting it. So yeah, that division could be pretty decent next year. I would like to say one thing. The Eagles are really not that close. The Eagles have to gut their whole roster in order to be under the cap. Aren't they like I mean, under $80 million or something? I think it's yeah, 65 they're... mil. And if you get rid of Carson, that's like 40 mil gone right there. Um, it's like t- 30. No, you have to, if he's traded, his dead cap is eaten into this year's into they're the, saying, the cap. They're saying he would have to write a blank or he would write a check for whatever money would uh, be counted towards their, their cap. Then they trade him. And then the new team just gives them a new deal. Okay. Oh. So I wouldn't do that. That's stupid. So it's All right. weird. So ignore what I said. The Eagles are quite a bit of ways because we probably have to get rid of Alshon. We probably got to get rid of, honestly, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox. Zach Ertz. kills the defense. Zach Ertz is already gone, man. His head was gone. That's the like second... 15 million, though, I think. But the second you mentioned contract, he was done. Yeah. You know? He was cooked. And plus, we got Dallas. Yeah, Dallas got Ertz. Do, do you really need Zach Ertz? No, I think he's better than Ertz at this point. Like, I, I love having a two tight end set. I really do. I think that's honestly the best way to do it if you or to like have your offense if you're in the NFL. Um, because tight ends are just so they're X factors, man. They're so versatile in today's game. Yo, are the Eagles going to have to send a draft pick with Carson Wentz to get him off their contracts? Yeah. Like, yep. everyone's like, oh, yeah, they could probably get a second or a third. But I'm thinking, like, they might have to give up, like, a fifth or a sixth or something to even get him off their books. Which I'm fine. Like, a low draft pick like that, a fifth or sixth, a day three draft pick, I'm fine. You know, get get I'm a round like, two if you can. Maybe if you can finesse the Colts, get a round one. Because let's be real, Frank Reich, that, that there's a connection there. There's chemistry. No, I'm wondering if they literally have to like package think, him with a pick to even get him off the roster, like not get anything in return just because you're getting that contract off. If the other, if the team that they're trading for is willing to take on his dead cap, they're going to have to give up their first round pick. It's you not don't take you. It's a $60 million cap hit if you trade for him. That's literally what the number is. Are you, you saying the Eagles would have to give up their first or like, the, yeah. Yeah, the, the Eagles would have to give up. Would. No, the Eagles would have to give up no, their first round pick. The fifth round is just way too steep of a price for that man. Like, or the sixth pick. Sorry, that, that's just way too steep of a price. Well, then I you're think, then he's going to be on the team unless he restructures his deal, and that would be stupid. I think a day three pick would probably make the most sense. No, do you know like the Browns literally bought a second round pick for like what was it, $20 million when they traded for Brock Osweiler? You're telling me that a team would not ask the Eagles for their first-round pick so that they can get out of cap hell? That's kind of – I don't know. I, I don't – I mean, I personally view picks way higher than that. I don't think they're worth just money. So I mean, um, so the, the price tag would be $60 million for that first-round pick. Th- that's what the deal would be. Unless there was other suitors. If there was, like, three teams that wanted it so they would have more leverage – no team, be like, no team is going to be able to afford him. Nobody's going to be able to take on that $60 million dead cap. That's what, literally what it is. 
It's not 60. I thought it was like 30. No, it's you have to pay out all of his um, signing bonus. It's literally $60 million to get him off your books if you trade him. There has to be a team. There has to be a team that says, we're done with our quarterback. Let's take a shot on Carson. Because let's be real. This is really one of two years where he's really been trash. His rookie season was the first year, this season as well. I mean, the only issue is there's other quarterbacks on the market that are low key better than him. That's true, but how many of those quarterbacks had low-key MVP seasons? Matt's, I mean, you could argue that Matt Ryan did. You could argue that Matt Stafford did. That is true. I and would Newton. rather have Stafford. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm, let's not even talk about him at this point. <laughs> but, like, Matt Stafford, I would rather have him than Carson Wentz on my team. I don't know. Carson's younger, man. Like, that's an investment into your future as well. His body is 80 years old. Has he really had great protection, though? Like, aside from two seasons where he did? He doesn't protect himself. The past two years. I mean, he doesn't even slide. As we've seen with Joe Burrow, quarterbacks don't need to learn how to slide. We're not going to mention the ACL. We're we're just not. (laughs) I mean, Carson needs to learn how to protect himself. (laughs) He does, but he's that, making that's... rookie mistakes. Like he does not protect himself whatsoever. He holds the ball for too long, and he's not. At, I mean, he's a tough dude, but like he has to understand he's not Superman. Can 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 I say one thing? Um, Alan will trash Carson once for holding the ball too long, but then will praise Josh Allen for his elite. Um, what did he say? Patience. His elite patience which goes hand in hand with holding the ball too long. And uh, I just, I just want to know. So like, I was having this difference? conversation on Sunday. I was like, I was, cause uh, I was with my brother who's a Bills fan and we were talking about how Josh Allen, like he kind of leaves himself prone to hits. Like he, I'm surprised he hasn't really gotten injured yet in, in his career just because of the way he plays. And that's not just him. Like, running or whatever because i mean he does slide it's just like when he when he does sit in the pocket he trusts his guys so much that he's gonna he's gonna wait until they get open and all you need is one bad shot and you're gonna get absolutely hammered um it's a good and bad thing i guess the only uh difference between them is that josh allen has confidence in his receivers Wentz just holds the ball open and throws up a prayer. Please, Zach Ertz, be down there. Dallas Goder, be down there. Somebody. (laughs) Well, he literally does not trust his receivers whatsoever. Like, that's the main red flag for me with Carson Wentz. I mean, we saw Algalore. He was the worst receiver on the Eagles. And every Eagles fan wanted him out of town. Well, there was that one guy that caught the baby and he was like, oh yeah, Nelson would have dropped it. Yeah, because Nelson did not know how to track the ball up until this year. Even he the had Super three Bowl drops. Year? He had three drops in 2019. Even and the Super Bowl year, receiver. He did not know how to track the ball. He did it. You could see it every time he played. He just he didn't know still how to track the a ball. A pretty decent receiver in, in the Super Bowl year, even with he Wentz. was. But again, you saw he had tracking problems. This year, I think part of part of what makes the Las Vegas Raiders pretty solid 
is I think they have a really good wide receiver coaching staff. And I think that's what really allowed Nelson Aguilar to grow was he was around, he was around people who could teach him. I think the Eagles don't really have that, at least for their receiving staff. Because again, where has the receiver growth been? All Are you years? sure it's not that Carr just has faith in him? Honestly, we saw it with Crabtree. I mean, we saw it with literally every receiver he's played with other than Cooper. Like, all I'm saying is you look at the growth of Aguilar and even Judy this year, or not Judy, sorry, Ruggs, and look at how they've grown compared to Aguilar in past years, and it's he plays a different game now. It's kind of crazy. Well, I mean, he went from being, like, averaging, like, nine yards a catch to, like, 20 yards a yeah. catch. But the prop, the knock on him last year was that he wasn't a deep threat. Well, I also think he wasn't the main receiver for the Raiders. I think that plays into it as well. He literally came on at the end of the year. I mean, he had a couple pretty good games here and there. And, like, he would break off, like, 60 yards out of nowhere, which is pretty good for a guy like him. Yeah, but, like, when he was on the Eagles, he was the main guy. Like, he was the main receiver. At least last year, because Elshon was injured. I don't know, because like you had you had a uh, Ertz and you had Goddard and you had Sanders, who I mean, yeah, but Sanders like, he wasn't was the number one. Yeah, like yeah, he was the but main like, receiver and he got the number one corner every week. Like that plays a role into it. Yeah, I guess. I mean, Carson Wentz is like, trash, but like, you, like you can't. They're not comparable. He wasn't the number one receiver. I didn't. I I have to look in to see who was actually covering him each week because the way everybody acted like everybody uh, on the uh, on the Eagles fan base that I have encountered, they acted like he was like their worst receiver. Les Knoll was. He was though. Like it's a problem when Greg Ward is out playing you. But like Elias said, I f- Car- Nelson Aguilar was kind of forced into that number one receiver role. Um. And I think that hurts a guy who plays pretty damn well in the slot and whose kind of main yeah, role fair. is that. Um, but still, I mean, the guy was a first-round draft pick. Um, I feel like he sh- that shouldn't have been an excuse, especially being drafted so high, especially being touted that highly. But, yeah, um, it was just a new role for him, and he was uncomfortable. Um and again, that with his tracking issues, I think really, really hurt him. So uh, shout it's out not, to the Raiders. It's not just him too. Like uh, who? Like uh, Greg Ward? Like he played really good down the stretch last year, and he was non-existent with once this year. The rookie, hell, he didn't do shit with once, and then the first game that he plays with hurts. Uh, you know, he breaks off two touchdowns out of nowhere. Looks like a different player. Um. That uh, undrafted rookie that came out of nowhere with Wentz. Oh, Fulgham. Fulgham. He looked amazing for two weeks. And then why? When, when you look at why he was producing so well, it's literally just because Wentz had faith in him. And then once all of his other receivers came back, that something changed and he stopped force-feeding him the ball. Well, also, I mean, I don't think Fulgham's really played that many snaps since a bunch of those receivers came back. 
And we're kind of ignore we're kind of ignoring the progress Deshaun Jackson made with Lentz. He was still upwards of like seventy percent of the snaps. I mean, like it's not like he was a non-factor. He no, just but... disappeared. And plus, I mean, I feel Deshaun like he... only had one year, had one game with him. Well, yeah, but it was a damn good game. I mean, let's be real. <laughs> it was it was one game though, <laughs> and he got hurt during that game, didn't he? He did, but he was showing flashes of the old Deshaun. That's trust. That's trust right there. I don't know, man. I think you were talking out of your ass there. Deshaun will always be a really good receiver. He just it's, can't uh, it's delusional Eagles fan in me, man. I I, I got to make excuses for Carson because we paid sixty fucking million dollars for him. You know, until we load unload him out onto the Colts for a first draft or first rounder. You know, finesse a little bit. All right. <laughs> I don't. I don't understand. Like, why you think they're in the position to finesse anybody? They're, they're going to get finessed. They're either going to lose it. They're going to. It's uh, the worst. It's going to be a second round pick, and I could see it being a first if he gets traded, unless well, he restructures. Hey, hey. If Howie Roseman can turn Sam Bradford into a first rounder, anything is possible. Honestly, it doesn't matter if they get a draft pick. It doesn't matter what it is. I view that as a win for them. They're even, a seventh round pick. Hell, if it's a seventh round pick, I view that as a win for the Eagles. Most GMs wipe their asses with a seventh round pick. What the, you're going to you get a seventh know. round pick for a former first round pick? Like, what was he? The second overall pick? Third second overall? overall yeah, we, uh, the second overall pick. You had to pay all that money, and you're going to get a seventh round pick in return. Let's go. Let's get a new kicker, guys. Someone to pair up with Jake Elliott. It really Jeez. depends on the on the on the um trade market for quarterbacks, though. If Stafford and Ryan are off limits, then I think there may maybe like two or three teams that would try to make a play, and then you're in you kind of in a competition to get him. But if you like this year's um like teams that need a quarterback are very limited. Well, is Jimmy yeah, G I... still under contract? Yes. Unless they got him back to New England. Um, yeah, because you obviously have the Colts, you have the Patriots, you have the Niners. Um, Cowboys might be in need of a quarterback. Actually, that would never happen. Yeah, why would that ever fuck? Yeah. We literally established the one thing the Eagles love to do is yeah. say, fuck you to your rivals. Unless and they know he's trash and they're like, okay, we'll give you him. Yeah, like there's we have no we have no, no problem playing him twice a year. There's no way they would go to the Cowboys <laughs> or the Giants, hell the football team, anybody in the division, anyone in the conference, and say, Here you go, here's Carson, our former quarterback, have him on the platter. If we're easeless, let's throw picks at you too, you know? All I know is that Elias should not put money onto where he goes. Because if that happens, he's probably going to end up on the Jets. <laughs> I won't put any money on it. <laughs> but I will, I will guarantee you that he will have a high draft pick attached to him when he's traded. They will give up a, they will give up a high draft pick to get him off their books. I guarantee that. It might be a pick swap. I could live with that. It's not going to be that. Like, I'll guarantee Like it. a first down to a second or something? No, because we have the sixth pick. Why would we do that? It's the sixth pick. 
It's Jamar Chase. It's Devontae uh, Smith. It's somebody good. It's somebody good. Let's not do that. <laughs> I'd rather be in cap hell. And he's going to be it. He's going to be the uh, most expensive backup in the league. You know what? If we get Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith, I'm, I'm leaning towards Smith personally, but that's just me. Fine. So be it. Try again next year. Try again next year. You know? All right, I'm done talking about the Eagles. Fucking same. I hate the Eagles, man. This is the last we have to talk about the Eagles until he gets traded. Oh, God, that sounds like a plan to me. All right, boys, let's talk about a team that is making the playoffs, the football team. Uh, They play the Buccaneers. Do they have a a chance? No. I I mean, everyone has a chance, but no. Yeah, they they don't have a chance. I'm sorry. <laughs> Glad we're all on the same page. Although on. it would be hilarious if they won. <laughs> yeah, it would be funny, but they have no shot. If Tom Brady loses to a team with no name, I mean, I'm not going to say I'm going to eat something. I'll, I'll chug a beer on cam. I don't care. We'll all have to so, chug a beer. We'll all have to chug a beer. Okay, and I'll beat you all. Probably, because you're a <laughs> you master <will>. chugger. <laughs> this dude sends it. Like, he can chug a beer in, like, in under a second. Wait till you see him against Mills Mafia coming up soon. He's yeah, going to do some damage. Mostly to his I, liver. He's not going. Uh, yeah, I'm not going. Virtually. He'll virtually I'll do go. it. Yeah. I want to, I'll, I'll, I'll go up against Badland Chugs. Yo, I might get jumped. During that day. Cause like uh because like we're not gonna be in the stadium because like it's impossible to get tickets right now. So we're probably just gonna end up going to bars and like doing like corner like corner of the street interviews. So I'm gonna be instigating decked out in all my cult shit. Instigating so- against Bill's mafia. So we're sending we're sending the Hebrew hammer on a suicide mission. Folks, this is likely the last time we'll hear from him. Um F's, F's in the, the comments to pay respects. All right, guys. Uh so let's talk about Tua real quick. Cause he had a pretty bad week 17. Uh is he still Miami's QB of the future or is this it? You go, Elias. So, like, the whole reason they tanked last year was to tank for Tua. Yeah. yeah. And they, they, did, they did win too many games to be in contention to get him. But thank God he got injured because he fouled to him. So, it's just like, that might have been their guy. But, like, at the same time, why would you bench him? multiple times when he was the starter for Ryan Fitzpatrick, if you didn't believe in him, like, I understand like you had a chance at the playoffs and you need to like, you wanted to get into the playoffs, but like you going into the season, there's no way you thought you were getting into the playoffs or like you had a shot at the playoffs. So like, let him develop and give him those reps, those valuable reps. Like they took him out when like they needed to come back. So it's just like, why wouldn't you want to give your young quarterback those opportunities? So like, to throw to take him out and then throw in Ryan Fitzpatrick, it's kind of like it's sus because it's just like who like like I don't I just don't understand what the logic is, you know. Like I understand you want to win games, but like at what cost, you know? 
So, um, as like Elias, you called me out for being pretty critical of him before, like weeks ago, just because he's so young. Um, he needs to develop, obviously, and it's really hard to uh, judge him based on this small sample size. But the more I watch him, the more I see Tyrod Taylor. I just feel like he's a game manager. You know, like, he, I will say that Tyrod is definitely, like, uh, he's a guy that he's obviously developed He's a veteran. He knows what he's doing. But I see Tua, and I don't see a great arm. I see really bad footwork. He needs to fix that. Um, and then I, I look at what the Miami Dolphins have been doing, and they're kind of treating him like every single team that Tyrod has ever had has treated him. It's like they never really give him a fair chance. And the, what, what I'm kind of worried about is like if the Dolphins forced him, forced him to uh, play before the before he was ready, because they weren't convinced if he was the guy. And then maybe like the eight games that he played or whatever, maybe that was his trial, which I think he obviously failed. And then that makes me wonder, or that makes me even question if they're gonna even keep him on the roster. And I look at these three guys that are playing really well, and it's like, oh, wait, the Cardinals did it with uh, with uh, fucking uh, Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen. We see it more often nowadays. You know, this was kind of unheard of before where teams will be like, okay, this isn't our guy. We like this guy. Let's, uh, let's get rid of him while he has some value. I pray that they don't do that. Because I do think in the future, I think I do think Tua could be a really good fit for this team, a really good defense, and then a quarterback that doesn't really make too many mistakes and just game manages. I think he could be an, an elite game manager. As of right now, I don't see anything more than that. Um, I don't think that's a bad. I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily. I mean, I viewed Tom Brady as a game manager. You know, the more I look at it, it really depends on what Miami Dolphins believe their future at the QB position is going to look like. It's like, what do they actually want from a quarterback? So let me ask you this. Is there a guy in the draft, if you're Miami, is there a quarterback in the draft you like more than Tua? Well, I think, like, it depends. Because, like, you have to sit there at three. Right. Like, I don't think they're jumping the Jets and I don't think they're going to they would have to give up way too many picks to get Trevor Lawrence. So at that point, you're getting the third best quarterback. So it's like either going to be I like it's going to be uh, Justin Fields or um, Trey Lance. Like that's your that's your that's going to be your players that you can pick because I, I think the Jets keep Darnold and. It's true, it but I don't. I don't think they're gonna. It, well, I don't know because it depends on who they get at, at their coach. But like, you're you're most likely getting the third quarterback. So it's like, do you think the third quarterback in this draft is like way better than Tua that you're just gonna waste a first round pick because you're not gonna get a first round pick back for him, you know? Like at best, you might get a second round pick for him. Yeah, I think he could get a second rounder. But um, I think like you have to stick with him another year. Yeah, but I think it, 
but if somebody if somebody falls to you and like you you're in love with that per like that guy and you're like that guy's gonna change our franchise, I think you have to, I think you have to do it. But that's what you said about Tua last year. Yeah, that's the issue. It's like the things that we're saying about the all these new quarterbacks. That's what we've been saying about Tua. So it gets to a point. It's like, is he your guy or is he not your guy? Do you like? Have you liked what you've seen? Do you think he has the uh, intangibles to grow into the quarterback that you need? And they have to make that decision. And I think there is a good chance that they pass on from him. But if you do, you admit that that entire season where you tanked for him, yep. you just wasted. Like, that's just such a hard thing to swallow. It happens. And man, it, it hurts. It hurts when it does. See, I think uh, personally, when he went to the to Miami and they had Ryan Fitzpatrick, I was like, okay, like he's going to sit for a year. Like I literally thought he wasn't going to play a game this year, but then they they must have saw something in him in practice where they're like, we should probably play him because Ryan Fitzpatrick was playing relatively well and he had that team winning games. So just like they must have thought like he was the guy, and then in those eight games that he played, did they say like, okay, this isn't our guy? You know, because I mean, like. I think if Ryan Fitzpatrick could have played last week, I think he might have started. Because you don't just pull him. Like, like that's like the second time they pulled Tua for him. Maybe even like the third time. And it's just like, why aren't you letting him finish these games? If these games are so important for you, why didn't Ryan? If you knew, if you think Ryan Fitzpatrick gives you the best chance to win, why wasn't he starting the whole year? Because I don't think they were trying. I, th- I thought it was. Uh, I thought that they were like, okay, like we're not ready to be a contender. So they wanted to have a bridge quarterback like Fitzpatrick. They wanted him to lead the show and they started winning way too much. And I'm not sure if they were completely sold on Tua yet. I don't think they were like, oh, like Tua's definitely ready to be out there. Cause I mean, we saw it. Like he had a lot of growing pains. I'm not, maybe they saw some crazy shit in practice. I don't know. I thought it looked more like a trial to me. I think you give like a, a second round pick a trial. I don't think you give up like a first round, like a first round pick. I don't think you give him a trial. Like that's just my thing. I think if you took him, like unless their gym is horrible and he just doesn't know how to evaluate quarterbacks, um, then like, I don't know why you would pick him at whatever. I think it was what sixth. Fifth or sixth. Just like, yeah. It's just like, you don't waste that high of a draft pick, especially with the players that were on the board. Cause they could have gotten like a, ta- like a left tackle, like, and that could like they could have been set on their offensive line when they traded away their franchise left tackle. Um, but but that's yeah, I think that third pick. See, the problem True. though is like he would have been what the number one overall pick if he didn't get injured. I don't know. I think one or two, he, man. Like yeah. it was between him and Joe Burrow, and then he got injured, so it was obviously Burrow. So how many top two picks are gonna are gonna wait? Who how many? top two picks are going to sit a year it just reminds me of trubisky it reminds me of that one year it's like they weren't convinced that he was ready to go out but then they started playing him um and they're like okay like let's see if if this guy really is our guy but they traded up for him he, he was their guy and i think they felt that they needed to see what he was early on i think if you trade up for your guy like that then yeah you got to 
you got to see what he does. Yeah. I just feel like the expectations for Tua were so unbelievably high, probably not his fault, that it almost made them like neat. It made them want to see what was going on. Because if he's not your guy, you're going to waste another three years. So they have to make small sample size. It's like, is this the guy that's going to lead your team? He obviously can be a pretty good game manager at the very least. Um, very good anticipation. But once he gets to the intermediate to deep throws, he's not your guy. Personally, what I think they should do with the third pick is they either trade back and they trade to uh, the Bengals so they can get that left tackle out of Oregon. Ooh. Or they pick that guy from Oregon and then pick a receiver that falls to them with their original pick. But that's just me. I, I think say, they I th- that, yeah, that I think, Oregon pick or that Oregon left tackle, great number three. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you don't, if you think, because you can finesse the Bengals, because the Bengals, they'll trade up, they'll trade quite a bit of picks to get that guy because they need to protect Joe Burrow. But like, do you just, do you get that left tackle or do you? I mean, I could also see them going with a receiver too. Like, what oh, do you God. think is the best receiver? If, if they get Smith or Chase, that, that's scary. I don't know if the receiver is the way to go at this point. I think you. I think if you if you want to make life easier for him, you got to you, you should get that receiver. I still what, feel like think? offensive line is the most important thing. No, I understand that, but if you're like I don't know, you can get. There's not a lot of like tackles in this year's draft. No, it's re- really the kid from Oregon. Yeah, because he he's. Like, Why should what? they had five? Wait, where are the Patriots picking? They're picking at like probably somewhere like fifteen to eighteen, maybe. Do you think he could last to number six? No, that tackle. No, he's going. He won't fall past five. I was going to say, yeah, Patriots are picking fifteenth um, right now, according to most mock drafts. He won't fall past the Bengals. That's a fact. Bengals at the fifth, but this is a really intriguing situation. It is because there's so many ways they could go, man. Because, like, when you think of being a GM, it's like you wasted a year, you're kind of stuck in a position where you have to ride it out. But we have seen enough to maybe uh, shift that perspective. I mean, I think you saw it once, one time happen where you where you let your first round quarterback go and he wasn't that high of a pick. I mean, he was a high, he was a top 10 pick, but he wasn't the sixth overall pick. Yeah. And you don't have, they don't have the first overall pick. Like you you look at these other, but then you look at the other teams that didn't do it. And it's like, okay, like Jamarcus Russell, they could have probably shipped him out when he had some value and got someone else instead of writing it out. Yeah, but it's different now because, like, his he had the highest pay. He had the highest yeah. rookie contract in like in the league. So it's just like people saw how bad he was, and it's just like would people actually trade for that contract? Like now, people will trade. It's like a million dollar. It's like a million dollar cap hit. So people are more willing to take on that cap hit than whatever it was when Jamarcus Russell had his contract. It's just crazy. It's like a quarterback. If you don't have the right one, that could set you back years. Oh yeah. 
But like, if you if you think that your GM didn't pick the right guy now, what makes you think he's going to pick what's left out of the quarterbacks that fell to you? That's a valid you point. Know? All right, guys, let's transition a little bit here. Let's go to the NBA and uh, talk about a guy who scored 92 points in the last two games. Steph Curry is balling out. I know last week we called him a fraud. Well, more accurately, Isis called him a fraud. Boys, what Steph is going supernova. He, he's going supernova. He dropped 30 tonight. What do y'all have to say? You have to acknowledge, Elias, that he's the greatest shooter of all time. Okay, sure, when he has spacing. That's, that's literally what my argument has been throughout this whole thing. When he has spacing, he is the greatest shooter of all time. When he doesn't have it, you see what happens, right? Like, yes, people are going to say, oh, he put up 30 points against the Kings, which is like, okay, it's the Kings. But the thing is, Kelly Oubre shot four for six. So you don't think the Kings were like, okay, we can't double team Steph anymore. We got to like let him – be able to like get some space like people don't like people don't understand that like yeah. he needs his space and what i said is that when he had clay kd and to an extent draymond green he had the spacing that he needed in order to get a shot off which now, <laughs> go i was gonna say i do want to counter this though because against uh, portland when he dropped 62 a new career high by the way i think Ubre and wiggins both combined for like two from ten from three you know no, like, there's no doubt, like, there's going to be days where he does go off. Like, he's an MVP. Like, a, like, we should expect him to do this. Yeah, like, the, the fact that 62 is his high now is kind of, like, what was it before, you know? Like, I understand that, like, okay, 54. Like, people do that in their sleep. Like, James Harden does that in his sleep. Come on. Dame, Dame uh, Dollar dropped three 60-point games just last year. That is yeah. so, but the thing is, like, Clay we Thompson should ex- did it before him. We should expect, like, Steph Curry. I personally think he's the greatest shooter of all time because he does stuff like this. He's just magic. You know, he's going to have these games where the bucket seems like it's the size of a dumpster and everything he shoots is just going to go in. Doesn't matter. Doesn't, the spacing doesn't matter. But that's only, like, we're going to see this no matter what in a couple games a year. But, that doesn't mask the fact that he's been horrible the five games prior. You know, he's on a pretty nice stretch now. He just shot about his career average from three this this uh, last game. And, like, yeah, it's awesome. But, like, the way NBA Twitter worked the night that he had that 60-point game, everyone was roasting Steph. And then all of a sudden, everyone's like, yeah, you guys can shut up. Like, stop the slander. Like, he's Steph Curry. This guy is awesome. It's like you're missing the point. I don't, like, I personally think he's the greatest shooter of all time. I just don't think he's on, like, a LeBron, KD level. I don't think he has that much impact on a team. That's my problem with him. And I don't think one game or a couple of games a year changes that. Yeah, I think he is a great piece on a championship team. Like, you can't – like, they don't win those finals without Steph, but he also, like – he wasn't the guy to, like, win you those games. You know, like, clearly he – or those finals. Like, he clearly wasn't the guy because he hasn't won a finals MVP. And I know, like, that's what everyone says. But, like, he is a great piece on a championship team, but you – like – 
individually, he can't do it himself. That's why I think he's a fraud. Like if he may, if he brings this team to the, to the playoffs, I will change my mind, but I haven't seen it from him. I mean, does like he, being he, an eighth seed change that though? I mean, no, it, it really doesn't change it, but to like other people, it, it will change. It'll be like, Oh, but he made it to the playoffs with this team. You know what I'm saying? You know who we need to hear from? We need to hear from Lucas from Cali to Cuse. You can check them out over on the challenge podcast network, both on anchor Spotify and now Google Podcasts. That was a plug. I do think we have to give a shout out to Andrew Wiggins, though, because he's been getting a bulk of the slander. Yeah, and he's turned it around, man. Yeah, he's been pretty decent. I mean, he's doing what they need him to do. He's getting his shots. You know, he's not a great three-point shooter, obviously, but that's not really his game. And honestly, it's pretty cool to see him add other stats to the other parts of the stat sheet. I remember he'd be like dropping 20 points and then he'd have like a rebound and a assist. Like now he's grabbing like five plus rebounds a game and a couple assists. So it's pretty nice to see him grow as the player. I think at one point, two seasons ago, I said that he was going to be one of those great all around guys. And then the game after he had like a 22, one and three stat line. And I just kind of sat there and I was like, well, it, it just sucks. It's, it's like Wiggins. you can jump higher than everyone on the court. Why are you not grabbing rebounds? No excuse. No, I mean, before he just didn't have the muscle, but now he finally does. Yeah. He's looking like a tall Kevin Hart out there. And I think if Wiggins continues to play this well, it's going to help with spacing too, even if he's not really shooting the three, just because you have to worry about his cutting ability and his mid-range. And guys, I know, uh, you know, Steph's had a bit of a surprising year, uh, sucking and now going off. But uh, what teams have surprised you? Uh, Isis, you, you kick us off. Um, Orlando's really surprising me. I mean, right now they're, they have like a 5-2 and two record. And I really thought they were going to be asked because, I mean, they barely made the playoffs last year and they lost Jonathan Isaac for what's going to be most likely the whole year. And I thought like he's the, he was a big reason why they were successful last year and just like losing him just didn't seem like they could compete. But um, Marco Fultz, even though like he seemed like he had a broken ass jumper and now like, he's not like the greatest scorer on the team. He's not even leading the team, but like he's been, he, he can dish the ball pretty well. And he's just like, he's actually keeping them afloat. And I think he's a big reason why they're, playing really well um Fonier, he's actually really good I thought like I drafted him on my fantasy team and I was just like yeah this guy like has the opportunity to score but like I mean he what he, he has what's his what's he scoring how like how is he playing he's playing well he's kind of hurt right now um but I can tell you how much he's uh I feel like he is a pretty scoring. inconsistent player usually it's like he'll drop 20 here and there and then he'll have a stinker yeah, but I mean, he's averaging 14, so it's not bad. No. So, I mean, like, like as like a probably their third or fourth option. It's not horrible. He's I'd probably say, their number two. Oh, I don't know, because you have Terrence Ross going off off the bench. Yeah. How is he doing? 22 he's, a game. Yeah, he's their, he's their lead scorer. Damn, so it's not just Vooch? Yeah, Vooch. No, Vooch is scoring 21. But he's also he's wow. averaging a double double. 
I mean, I'm not surprised by Vooch's play. He's just an overall skilled. He's a he's one of the most skilled big men in the game today. Oh, and you'll definitely. see like you'll see all like the big name players like when they watch him, they'll tweet about him. Like Kevin Durant did like two years ago. They're like Vooch is is a pleasure to watch, and he really is. And Cole Anthony hasn't even been playing that bad either. Like he, he plays limited minutes. He's averaging like nine points a game. Can so, Terrence Ross's play keep up? I mean, probably he probably won't be the leading scorer at the end of the year, but I think he could be. He, I think he'll be a good scoring option. I mean, how? I mean, he's shooting forty four percent from three. He's about seventy, about five percent more. He's got five percent. A five percent higher uh, field goal percentage than he normally does, so I mean he's not playing crazy. You know he's just it looks like his volume. Yeah, his volume has just increased, and that looks like the only that's the only real change that I'm seeing. So maybe it is sustainable. Yeah, if he's getting all those opportunities, then yeah, yeah, I can't see why not, especially on a team that needs offense. Yeah. And I mean, you have a solid bench unit there. Like, I think Cole Anthony has like what a four to one assist to turnover ratio. So you have a guy off the bench who can dish the ball, uh, who can find a guy who can honestly just who plays really well off ball in Terrence Ross. So that's a solid uh, bench duo right there. I think it's completely sustainable. I don't know if like them being like the two seed in the East is sustainable, but I think they no, have a chance to like to stay in the playoffs. It'll be a first round exit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they're not Again. winning anything, <laughs> but I mean they'll make the playoffs. All right, all right, Alan, who are you? Who are you liking? Who is so, surprising to you? So this team is like I'm not surprised that some of the players are playing well. But the overall team looks pretty fluid and pretty good. And that's the Cleveland Cavs. Um, when I think of the Cavs, like most people, I just think of poverty. You know, I, I think of a bottom five team, you know, a couple good scores, um, still really horrible to watch, and just nothing, nothing really going on there. And it kind of represents the city pretty well. It's basically just a big Syracuse. So – when you I'm look so at the, weak. I'm sorry. All I can think of is joking Noah being like, "Who wants a vacation in Cleveland?" <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> the only way you can make Cleveland look good is if, like, you post a picture of a deserted island or something. Like, it's like, uh, it's like Aruba. It's like a picture of Aruba, and you're like, "Oh, Cleveland, Ohio. Who wants to vacation there this year?" But going back to the sex land. We have to be honest. I think everyone was wrong about Colin Sexton. Everyone was acting like he was just like a, a me first scorer, you know, just a really good size scorer, couldn't shoot. And that was what he was labeled as in his rookie year. Um, even, I mean, today, I mean, the next year, he bumped his averages up from 17, 16.7 points to 20.8. That's a four point increase. Um, also jumped his uh, field goal percentage up by 4%, which is a pretty big jump. 
And then I saw a tweet last year and they were like, yo, if he continues to make this, uh, these, these, uh, strides. These impro- yeah. If he keeps making these strides, he's going to be projected to score like 70 points in 20, 2025 or something. But after his next stride, he's now jumped up to 26 points on 56%, 55% from three. He's still not really shooting threes, but no, but it looks he's, like he's shooting 10 for 18 from the field. Yeah, I mean, he, he's a much more improved three-point shooter. He, he needs to shoot more at this point. He's legit. He, he's, he's legit. But that's not his, like, again, like, he's not, you can't really define him by his shooting. He's just a really big-bodied guy with a huge bag. And honestly, it's it's pretty surprising. I mean, what if he does average 60 points by 2025? Could you imagine just four years down the road? We're, we're, we're in the challenge studio over in wherever Burbank, California. Alan Sexton dropping 52 points a game. Yeah. It's just casually. And we're just yeah. like, Oh, we're treating it like a Russell Westbrook triple double. Like, Oh, there he goes again, dropping another 52. It's, it's like just... a, this is like a real life NBA 2K simulation. Like he is just making that same jump every year. God. I remember in like 2K11, if you did like the franchise mode or whatever, you could like simulate and like there'd be guys dropping like 40 points a game casually. But yeah, no, you're completely right. This is what Colin Sexton is doing. And it's weird though. Like their roster is not even that great. Like they have Larry Nance taking threes. Yo, Larry Nance, surprisingly though, he's been a, a stat sheet sh- uh, stuffer. Like he ha- he's balling in fantasy basketball. Yo, eight boards, uh, five assists. Let's go, Larry Nance Jr. It will you be interesting to see how many shots Kevin Love is going to demand once he returns, though. I don't know if that's going to help them. I don't know if it's going to help or hurt Andre Drummond. Um, it's definitely going to hurt Lance because he has that role right now. But overall, the team looks pretty good. They obviously have a bunch of young talent. And they're all improving. So, I mean, it's only six games in, but if I'm a, if anyone's a Cavs fan, if there's any Cavs fans out there, you should be pretty excited. The question is, once LeBron is done with the Lakers, does he <laughs> yeah. go back to Cleveland? <laughs> <laughs> the only reason he left is because, like, oh, they can't build around me. But maybe if he just waited a year, maybe if he sucked one year like he did with the Lakers, maybe uh, he would have maybe a couple more rings with them. Do you think the uh, the Cavs are going to get that number one overall pick, get Bronny to pair with LeBron and Sexland? God, could you imagine that big three? That's a big <laughs> four right there. I uh, I recently been doing a franchise where I put myself in the league and I'm just like 99 overall everything. And I'm like 40 years old right now and my son's playing with me on the Knicks. <laughs> <laughs> That's the goal right there, man. Yeah, It's just – um. It's Isis and then Isis Jr. <laughs> Just going <laughs> at it. <laughs> Isis Jr. has taken two MVPs away from me, so I'm kind of pissed. Damn, I'm he's hurting your legacy. Yeah, I'm facilitating a trade to get him out of need. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kunal, who's your, who's your surprising team? Oh, man. Uh, I think it's fairly obvious at this point the one team we haven't mentioned that I think I've mentioned every single week on this podcast. 
Uh, it's the Knicks. <laughs> Julius Randle. I think Julius Randle has heard me slander him. I think he's realized that he sucks as a human being, so he has to step it up. And boy, has he fucking stepped it up. The guy is averaging damn near a triple-double. 20, yeah. 21, nearly 11, and 7 assists. Bro, <laughs> where, where was this? Where did this come from? Keep it coming. This is what we need as an organization. Julius Randle has put the... He saw Obi Toppin get drafted and people being like, oh, time to start Obi Toppin. You know, fuck Julius Randle. And it was like, you know, I'm just going to average damn near triple-double this year. Get my bag. <laughs> and maybe take the Knicks to the playoffs. The Knicks are the fifth seed right now, folks. The fifth seed. I don't remember the last time we were talking about the... Well, granted, like... Granted. Mellow year. The mellow years and... You know, it's we're only like six games in, but we're the fifth seed. <laughs> Thanks to fucking Julius Randle, this team is insanity. I don't understand anything about this, but I love it. I love it, and I mean, just all across the board, the team's doing pretty damn well. RJ's dropping seventeen a game. He's got like what seven boards, three and a half assists. Love yeah. that. Um, Alfred Payton is running the offense pretty well, too. He's doing a pretty solid job. Austin Rivers, uh, the past, yep. what, two games? <laughs> he's a, he's doing great, dude. He's emerging. And uh, we all know future Hall of Famer Amon Quickly is going to do future Hall of Fame things. I he mean, looks good. He does. Granted, he's playing limited minutes, but uh, he is a future Hall of Famer. This team just breaks me because <laughs> – Julius fucking Randall. I want to hate Julius so badly. I do. I do. But he's balling out right now. Do you think that's sustainable? It can't be. Like I mean, when you watch Randall, like he'll throw up at least like four or five like bailout shots a game and they go down. They're just falling. Yeah. Everything that he's throwing up is falling. Like this is the Knicks, right? So you got to remember Murphy Law reigns yeah. supreme with the Knicks. It reigns supreme in two realms, the news business and the Knicks. So something's going to go wrong. Something will. So this definitely isn't sustainable. But for right now, this is the best basketball the Knicks have played in the past two years. And I am all for it. If that means Julius Randle is averaging the insanity that he's averaging right now, he dropped 28, 17, and 9 against Atlanta Monday. That's when was the last time you saw a Nick drop 28, 17, and 9? When? <laughs> He also had, like, nine turnovers, too. That was almost a quintuple double. It almost was. And I'm fine with that because it's goddamn – Julius Randle is getting the goddamn bag, and I respect the hell out of that man. I am never going to say he sucks again until, you know, he starts sucking. I don't think they'll make the playoffs, but I think – Shut the fuck up. Julius Randle's going to carry the fucking Knicks to the playoffs. Just because you said that, he's listening to us. I hope he's, he does, and I hope he keeps falling out for my fantasy team. But I don't think this is sustainable. The wins in the in the win column in the proper column, um, but I do think this is a huge step in the right direction for a team that was looked at by everybody that wasn't a Knicks fan as a black hole. 
So this is awesome to finally see progress. Um, hopefully they get another good draft pick though, just to keep building this team. God, they they yeah, if they can get Cade Cunningham on this team, Lord, but they they might get it's nice. They may get a good. They might get a nice ass pick from uh, Dallas this year. (laughs) Like Dallas is like trash right now, and they might get that pick, or they will get that pick. I should say. Have you guys? uh, Who would have thought when we made the Kristaps trade? Hold up. That the real centerpiece of that trade wasn't Dennis Smith Jr. or DeAndre Jordan. It was this year's draft pick. Damn. The, I love how the show The Queen's Gambit came out, but the real person playing 40, tra- 40 chess was the next. Hikey. And the guy who is the GM is not even there anymore. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he got fired for making such five head moves. Imagine failing upward. <laughs> Dude, this is literally better than Sam Presti. Or Sam Hinkie, sorry. And uh, the process. This is 20 times better than that. I just love how they're they're uh, proving the haters wrong. Like, RJ is getting better. He clearly looks like a much better player than last year. Um, He's I hope leaps he leaps and bounds, man. I hope he stops just forcing up three-pointers. Cause that's not his game. If he doesn't do that, like just use your big physical body. Look what Julius Randall is doing when he's bulldozing over people. Like you can do that too. You're a it's, huge ass dude. It's sad when Julius Randall has a better three point percentage than you. And Julius Randall currently shoots tw- uh, at a 50% clip. RJ shooting at 24 Julius Randle is twice the three-point shooter RJ is right now. Honestly, it's not a big deal. I no, don't it's think, not. Yeah. But I, I still love that number, and I love that statistic, and I love Julius Randle, man. This is the last guy I thought we were going to be talking about in the second week of the NBA <laughs> season, but we are. If he keeps it up, I'm getting a Julius Randle tattoo. Oh, geez, don't do that. Where? Get a face tattoo. No, I think you should get your right whole here. back. Your whole back is <laughs> it's just, just a jersey. Be... <laughs> and then it's Randall. <laughs> See, I was going to go for like a huge descriptive scene, you know, Randall leading the char- the fast break charge at MSG, just looking like a complete dog that, uh, what's his face? Bobby Portis called him last year at Summer League. Man, but uh, no, you know what? If Julius Randall keeps it up and if he you know what I'll, I'll make it realistic if he makes the nba all first team i'll get a julius randall tattoo i'm fine with that yo who would have thought i'll be i'll be voting on every single device that i have to get julius randall into the playoffs <laughs> or into the all-star game not the all-star game the the nba all first team <laughs> well you changed it up on me i i said the nba all first team i did not say all-star team no, you didn't know. I we need to play it back. So Zach, play it back, and he's when he said All Star Team. You know, I'll I'll make it realistic. If he makes the NBA All First Team, I said All. For NBA All-First Team, not All-Star Team. Anybody can – 
Zaza Pachulia nearly made the all-star team, so there's no merit in making an all-star team anymore. I'm not taking sides, but uh, yeah, Kunal, you're a fraud. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. I am putting my body on the line for this. I am choosing the variables. <laughs> so it's NBA all-first team, Julius Randle. Not all-star team. Anyone can make an all-star team. Fucking Isis Jr. has probably done it. Yo, who did New York have to sacrifice <laughs> to get Randall to play up to his contract? Bobby Portis. Yeah. <laughs> it was some straight alchemy shit. <laughs> they sacrificed their firstborn. God. They like, sacrificed Aesis Jr. Aesis <laughs> They potential at Aesis Jr. That's who they gave up. Yo, who would have thought, though? Julius Randall would be the best player in New York in the same city as Kyrie Irving and Timothy Lawalre Cabarro. I feel like you fucked that up. Lawalre Cabarro. <laughs> Who would have thought? I mean, you're also not mentioning uh, future Hall of Famer Amon quickly. Oh, yeah. And I'm a little offended. I'd be. It's not Amon. <laughs> Or Emmanuel. I don't know if I call I keep calling him a mon. Yeah, you said it twice and I was I let the first one slide. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, well, his name's not a mon. I know I was it's like, a man- dumb. I know it's I know it's Emmanuel. I don't know why I keep calling him a mon. I feel I feel like a mon chumper is just like he's the next coming. Yo. <laughs> I hope not. Fuck. But uh, Emmanuel quickly, uh not a mon. Uh, shout out my boy Mitchie Robinson real quick. Let's just did shout you him see, out. Did you see Shumpert's music video that he made like 10 years ago? It, it was the one that was weird as fuck, right? Like, it was like the one where he was like part of Grand Theft Auto. Like he, he was changing his clothes like boop, boop. boop. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was that was interesting. That was, that was a good video though. I'll give him that. That was probably the best thing of his career. Still a top 10 NBA rapper, honestly. Yeah. Jesus Jr. is is uh, in the top five of that list. No, he doesn't rap. He's a uh, singer. Oh, he, oh he's an R&B <laughs> singer. <laughs> yeah. How, how many tracks has uh, – how many Anthony Edward tracks have, has he been on? Um, To my knowledge, it's four. I'm pretty sure they're working yeah. on a fifth. But, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a great singer. He's like he's like Drake when Drake sings. That's what he does. He gets you caught up in your feelings. But then me, Jesus, I I'm the rapper. So we're like a good duo there. How many uh how many father son albums do you have? Oh, uh, we're working on our, on our eighth. God damn. We've been, yeah, we've been in the booth. <laughs> this whole pandemic we dropped four. Dude, Little Wayne and Birdman have nothing on y'all too. No, we took it. We were like, oh, Taylor Swift is just releasing all this trash ass music in quarantine. We got to do the same. Uh, so when are we getting a Grammy nod? Oh, we already have seven. Okay. We're working on our eighth. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you ever oh, seen oh. the picture? You ever seen the picture of Michael Jackson holding all those Grammys? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's us. That's us. <laughs> we got like. We got two championships together and seven Grammys. Quite the duo. I can't wait for 2K to add the rap simulator into all this. <laughs> wait, I, if you are a basketball player and your son continues to win championships, do you get credit for their championships? 
because that's your offspring. That's a good point. I think, I think you get like I think you get like half. Okay, half goes so, to you, half goes to mom. Yeah. <laughs> you know who's been completely disappointing this season? Pascal Siakam, dude. I have no idea what happened to him, boys, but he's been kind of trash. Ever since Kawhi, the bubble. Kawhi Leonard made that, man. Kawhi Leonard took all the pressure off of him and allowed him to flourish. And now, ever since he's been gone, he's kind of struggled last year now, and now at the beginning of this year. Like, I mean, the problem with him is that he absolutely has zero bag. The guy cannot create his own shot. I mean, other than his spin move, that's the only move in his bag. He can't do anything else. I mean, he can he can shoot, but, I mean, when the shot's not falling like it isn't right now, what does he give you on offense? I mean, the struggle, man, has just been horrendous. Like, what is it, three and a half turnovers a game, four and a half fouls. The guy's uh, PER, his player efficiency rating, 8.98. That's atrocious. And like you said, Alan, the shooting isn't quite there. 39 from the field, uh, 28 from three. Granted, he's not never been a fantastic three-point shooter. But, uh, yeah, the guy's on the struggle bus. You think he – I don't want to say gets traded, but do you think that's a possibility this year? No. No, who's going to take him? I can think of a couple teams that would take him, but he's he's still too valuable to that franchise. He's still young. And honestly, like Elias said it best, he's probably better suited to be a number two or a number three option. So, I mean, how can we really hate on him for struggling when all the pressure is on him, when he's not a number one option? Yeah, I think the Raptors were like, they saw what he did with Kawhi, and they were yeah. like, we're okay with getting, like, not getting rid of Kawhi because you don't get rid of Kawhi, but, like, um, they're the like, okay. We, yeah, they're like, we have somebody who can maybe be something that Kawhi was. But I think they, to be honest with you, I think they got to move him to small forward instead of power forward. I think if you like at six, nine, like he's just going to body, body people. And I think like he'll be more suited to play small forward, kind of like a smaller Giannis when Giannis plays small forward. I mean, defensively, I think he's still, a he still can guard fours. I mean, he's still a very strong dude. Um, I mean, I'm not saying that he can't guard fours. I'm just saying if you, if you need the offense, you should move him to the three. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very hard though because of the way the team is set up. Like when you think about their lineups, like you have Van Vliet and you have Lowry, who are their best scorers right now, and you have Powell off the bench. So you have some really good guard play. And then where do you put OG? You know, you need him out there. Well, OG started every game. You know, yeah, you need him out there. Yeah. So I don't know if you can move him to the three because. Honestly, I mean, they don't have the best roster, but they do have some very talented players. I mean, po- theoretically speaking, theoretically, you could move Chris Boucher into the starting lineup, bring OG off the bench, but then you lose a ton of size coming off yep. the bench, you know? Like, your next big man off is uh, – who is it? Stanley Johnson, I guess? Alex Len? Like, there's not a lot of size on this team, so – 
I feel like you need to keep Boucher on the bench. I mean, you could you could put OG at the four and just have him as a three and D four. And then not have to if, ruin your defensive lineup. I don't know if OG's big enough to play the four, man. Like I mean, they don't need two bigs down low. Unless they uh no, just, but had... you just I feel like you get bodied. He's only like 230 pounds, you know. I feel like power forward is like the most useless position, though. I mean, like PJ Tucker is one of the best power forwards, and he's like six seven. And he's just oh. a shooter, you know. He's like 245, you know. But he's basically just a 3 and D player. That is true. I mean, you don't really need him to do much. I mean, you have Baines. Unless you uh, just use Baines as a uh, 3 and D center and then just let Siakam take people one-on-one. But he doesn't really have any post moves to dominate like a, like a Giannis does. So, I mean, he also doesn't have that explosiveness, you know, like we keep on bringing that Giannis role, but like, I don't think that's where he'd thrive. Um, I think again, he's a set of best. He is, you know, a second or third option, but if I'm Toronto, how do I get a first option for him? Or do you wait for the, uh, cap space to open up and then you can get one of those uh like a legitimate number one option to pair with him that's what i would do who are you gonna get though it's a tough sell to bring someone to toronto but i mean they have great management they have arguably the best coach in the league and their roster i mean they have some talented players i don't think it's as hard of a sell as it used to be no and i mean the they have the champions. benefit. I was gonna say they have the benefit of winning a recent championship. Yeah, but that that win is kind of sus. Like they did beat the Warriors when half the team wasn't playing. Still, I mean, even before then, they were like a fifty-win team every year. Yeah, and they got beat by LeBron every year. Yeah, and he's not there anymore. It's not LeBron toe anymore. No, and it really isn't. I think I don't know. I don't think you can trade him, but I, you gotta just work on his offensive game. Nick Nurse, he needs to show that he's the. I think that's questionable to say he's the best coach, but um, I think if Nick Nurse is the best coach, then you sh- he needs to figure out what he needs to do with Pascal. I mean, the good news is I think they have like thirty million dollars or something coming off the books next year because of Kyle Lowry. Um, I hope they bring him back for a, a smaller deal. He's 35. I mean, they could. I really hope they don't use their bird rights to sign him to like yeah. a 42, $43 million contract. That'd be so stupid. It wouldn't be surprising though, because he is the heart and soul of that team. That is very true. But yeah, that would that would ruin it. Um, if they could get a legitimate number one option, if they could bring back Lowry for a smaller deal. And if they could make that work, because Van Vliet is just balling out. He's he really a, is. He's dropping 22 a game. I think that's the uh, best on the team, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Laurie's right behind him. He's at like 19. Unless they just uh, they lean completely on Lowry and just let him run the show like what we saw in the playoffs. 
But can you do that now that Lowry's like 34, about to turn 35, though? Like he'll have his games, but no, I don't. I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's completely sustainable. I mean, I can't believe I'm saying this, but Fred VanVleet is your future right now until <laughs> until, until he, he can, isn't. Yeah, like <laughs> we have to see how sustainable that is, man. We really do. I I personally don't know because the way he's playing, he's kind of balling out. I mean, let's be honest. Like, if you think you you're gonna have to bring in a a number one guy. I mean, when they got a number one guy, they had a trade for him. So I mean, right. I don't know if yeah, I don't know if you're gonna have to like. I, I think it's gonna be hard to get somebody to come in and be that number one guy. Like I understand, like you would say to them, like, hey, look what Kawhi did, and he was the king of like Toronto, which like, who, like how many other players would, can really do that though? Yeah, it, 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 like you would have to bring in somebody like like a LeBron, a KD, somebody like that if you wanted to like actually do something if you're going to bring in like i like i don't know like even if you brought in Giannis, i don't think it would work out the way to be fair with Kawhi. the players i mean like Kawhi, like he, he would what what's your pitch it's like okay like with Kawhi, we were able to rest him like 40 games a year and we were still like the number one overall seed so i mean like it's not like you would get like an aging superstar and you'd be like, okay, like this is how we benefit you. You can get your rest and you can be ready for the playoffs. And then you have a very talented team around you, a very defensive oriented team. The only, I mean, if we're going back to the Kawhi situation, it was super helpful that he just wanted out of San Antonio, you know? And the only disgruntled superstar in the league right now is Harden. And I think Harden just doesn't have the same effect on this team as Kawhi did. But honestly, Kawhi in the finals, like, he didn't even play that well. Like, he had, like, two really good games, two really good fourth quarters. But for the rest of it, he was really bothered by his knee. Um, I'm not sure what caliber player you would need. What if you, had, you like, need a Kawhi? You need yeah. a Kawhi caliber. I don't player. know if you need a, a a superstar though. I don't think you need like a top like two do. way player. Yeah, I you need like a superstar. Name a, name a, name a team that didn't win the championship without a what superstar. If you, what if they could make the play for Giannis? They can't. No, Giannis you, is staying in Milwaukee. Yeah, like, you'd have to literally well, trade sign the contract, but that doesn't mean he's stuck there. True, but you'd have to give up what makes them great. <laughs> Yeah, and like, everything you just like Siakam would be gone. <laughs> all and plus all the leverage after after Giannis signed that contract now belongs to the Bucks, and there's no way the Bucks get rid of Giannis. I mean, what if you straight up replace Siakam with Giannis? You'd have to give up Siakam. You'd have to give up Van Vliet. You'd have to give up Boucher. You'd have to give up OG. You'd have to give up so many draft picks. You'd probably be devoid of any rookie talent until 2031. Well, I still think Siakam is considered one of the best young prospects. His contract makes it a lot harder. Compared but I mean, like to Giannis, though, I mean that's Giannis. Yeah. Like we're not talking a disgruntled. Yeah, but what type of like other than like a young player that still needs to be developed? Like how many? star ready players can the bucks really get do they even need to get anyone because again they have Giannis in the bag right now why do they need to trade Giannis? i i don't understand that logic i mean if they if they fail again Giannis is gonna be like yo like i can't be dogged anymore and then you're gonna see increased tensions 
and it's going to be an Anthony Davis situation. Yeah. But if that but, was, if that was his mindset, then he wouldn't have signed that contract. Like he yeah. would, if that was what his mindset, he'd be like, okay, well, let's see what happens this year. And then I can still sign that same exact contract that I signed in September that I can in June. You know what I'm saying? That's or whatever. What, that, is what, it a two year contract or is it no, a four year? Like, you think he signed a two year contract? Come on. I wouldn't be surprised. That was an option. I think it was a five-year deal. Yeah, it was five years, 228 mil. If they don't win in the next two years, I don't see Giannis being on that roster. I mean, he has a a fourth-year opt-out. But he signed a full five years. All the chips aren't on the table anymore for Giannis. He's already cashed in, man. All the leverage belongs to Milwaukee. Milwaukee has to be the one that says, hey – even if Giannis says, I'm done here, Milwaukee can just say, cool, uh, you're still playing for us for another few years, then we'll trade you in that year four. Yeah, but I think, like, the NBA is, like, a lot – like, NBA teams will facilitate that trade for their stars if they don't want to be there. I feel like – I feel like they wouldn't do that unless they, unless it, like he did what James Harden did. Yeah. Where he, James Harden was just an idiot and literally could have been playing on another team if he didn't do what he did, you know? And I feel if, like Giannis it, has more communication with his team than James did in that matter. And I, like, I don't know this for sure. I'm just kind of talking out of my ass, but I really feel like he probably talked to management and he was like, yo, like things could get pretty weird if we continue to lose in the first and second round. But it's his, it's his fault. It's not like it's their fault. Yeah. Like he disappears. Like you can't like, it's not like James Harden. Well, I guess James Harden kind of does disappear in the playoffs sometimes, but like, to be honest with you, the reason they're losing is because Giannis is kind of being trash. Why are they trash though? Think about it. But like, you can't, you can't like, it's like the same thing with LeBron. When LeBron left Cleveland to go to to the Lakers, you can't like expect that team to literally get every single player that you need to succeed at that point. It's you're the problem, you know, like if you need all these players to be able to make shots and you, and it's like, well, I'm missing all these shots. I can't drive to the hoop in the playoffs when defenses get more strict, like, I mean, like, think like about you're the you're the problem at that point. Think about the Warriors, how teams are playing against Steph when people aren't hitting those shots. Now, think about Giannis when teams' entire game plans are literally to create a wall to stop you. So then you take out his biggest strength, or you slow down his biggest strength. You kick it out, and your guys can't hit hit their shots. I I mean, it's hard for me not to feel bad for him because he does take the majority of the blame. And you can argue that it's not even his fault. But just to bring it back to Siakam, I mean, I think Siakam's in a different boat than Giannis, obviously. Like, Siakam should not be the number one guy. And I feel like a lot of the blame, while, yeah, you can put it on Siakam, you got to realize he should not be your number one. Like, obviously, Giannis is your number one. So I think the trade, to even facilitate that trade, would just be – I don't think it would work at all. Um. But that said, I mean, it's crazy to think the most expendable guy in Toronto is Siakam, you know, especially after that championship run. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's pretty insane. How the mighty have fallen. <laughs> a one year, uh, how a one year wonder has fallen. He was pretty good last year until the bubble. It's decent. 
Do you, do you think it was? Do you think it was the bubble? You know, like having to play in America that really fucked him up. Yeah, now he's playing in America again. Yeah, in Tampa, he's <laughs> yeah. Well, I think teams in the playoffs they they focus more on your star players, and then once teams realized, once you force him to beat you, he's not going to beat you. So one year wonder. I mean. He had that crazy playoffs, and then he averaged 23 points last year. And he led that team, which was pretty damn good, as their number one option. So, I mean, like, he is one of the best young players. He's in a funk right now. But I just, like, I don't see him being able to get you Giannis, especially a Giannis that signed a five-year deal. Hell, I'm going to be real. I'm not sure him alone in a deal would get Harden. Not that the Raptors should not trade for Harden at all. I think he makes them 20 times worse. Well, now that Brown is off the market, for sure. Yeah. The best the Rockets could probably get is Siakam. But um, I'm not sure if they would make a play like that because I feel like you have to keep Siakam and pair him with someone. So you have to hope, you have to pray that someone's going to be willing to be the king of Toronto. Whether it's like a Devin Booker caliber player, that could be pretty interesting. That might be enough to get them over that hump. I'm not sure if they could compete with like the Lakers or something, but they would be one of the best teams. And guys, as our podcast comes to a close, we have to acknowledge something that happened that was announced New Year's Eve. Uh, the death of one of the most legendary rappers all time, MF Doom. Uh, he died back on Halloween, but his death was just announced. This is, I mean, he's one of the greatest lyricists all time. One of the most innovative producers. Isis, what does this mean to you? I'm gonna be honest with you. It doesn't really mean anything to me. I'm not a. I didn't even know who MF Doom was until uh, uh, he died, and I was like, "Oh, who's this guy?" <laughs> you know. Um, you know, I'm more of like a um, a thousand miles Vanessa Carlton fan. You know, just like singing, you know, those girly songs, you know, Maroon Five shit like that. Um, I'm but... at a payphone trying yeah. to call. <laughs> I can't. Right, I can't. I'm trying to give a hard ass well <laughs> hard as well tribute to fucking M of Doom and we're singing payphone. But continue. That, yeah, but, continue um, so my thing is like uh, like when Nip when Nip died, I was like, I didn't really know who that guy was either. Um I didn't listen to his music. Um, but it's just like my thing is is like you get all these people on Twitter who are like, oh my goodness, MF Doom, he was an inspiration to me. Like I wouldn't be where I was without him. His music was just it touched me in different ways that I can't even explain. R.I.P. FM Doom. It's like and it's like it, most of the time it's FM Doom. Is that not his name? It's MF FM. Uh, whatever see I don't even know who he is <laughs> and it's just like it said that he died I'm, I'm sorry um R.I.P. I hope his family doesn't like get all upset but um yeah it's just like shut the fuck up you don't you didn't I guarantee you most people didn't know who he was and they just wanted to say something because that's the cool thing to say 
and what sucks is like he never got love even i mean he he had a very small niche in fans and those fans like they worshiped him everyone everyone that listened to him they were like oh yeah this guy like top five rapper of all time one of the best lyricists ever but like everybody else that was outside that niche no one listened to him or gave him love when he was living so now they're kind of coming out of the woodworks and like um this guy had like barely any sales because he was like an underground rapper and then once he dies like three of his albums are like top five in itunes and the and the um weekly charts it's like where were you guys when he was living how come this guy never got the the flowers when he deserved it how come it's coming out now it's funny to see the rappers who are paying tribute because like you do see the guys who do take away a lot of their styles from doom yeah uh like tyler the creator earl sweatshirt being like kind of the main two that come to mind for me uh just because like when i was into odd future like they would literally just cite doom as one of their biggest inspirations um they went to a doom concert and they were like crying because it was yeah. so amazing oh my god dude you see doom in concert that was a fucking experience i have never seen him in concert but that you could tell that would be an experience literally. um but then i was on instagram or it was twitter or something and i saw playboy cardi tweet out like r.i.p doom or some shit i'm like playboy cardi listens to doom since like I like Cardi, you know, I, I got the whole lot of red lights on, uh, even though the album was trash. Come on, Cardi, give us a good deluxe edition. It has nothing to do with this being the challenge colors, you know. Um, but no, it was just funny to see like, oh yeah, like Cardi allegedly listened to Doom. Um, but no, I mean, I think, you know, you guys are saying a lot of on point things, but the legacy the guy left behind, I mean, Mad Villainy, his collab with uh, Mad Lib back in 04, to me, top three hip hop album all time, easy. As Doom would say, "I'm your rapper's favorite rapper." You know, he would also say Cheetos, Fritos, and Doritos. <laughs> you know who was a legendary performer live? Who? Carly Rae Jepsen. She her music when she does it live, it just really it it speaks to people and i was one of the lucky ones to see her do it live can you uh give us a live cover of call me maybe to you know outro us out um hey i just met you but this is crazy so here's my number so call me maybe that's all i got i respect it absolutely gorgeous ladies and gentlemen that was an incredible performance. You saw it right here on the casuals, uh, which you can catch us on YouTube, uh, Spotify, Google Podcast, Anchor, wherever you get your podcasts. Folks, tune in every Thursday. We'll be here. Like and subscribe. Uh, follow us on Spotify and do your thing on other social media. Check us out on social media at the Challenge Sports, at the Challenge BL. For that, I am the chief. Kunal Kohli, joined by MF Isis and the other greatest rapper of all time, Playboy Hebrew Hammer, Alan Ross. When you say my name, make sure it's in all caps. He knows. He's a real one.